Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is with the first pick the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. This is episode 91. Rick, you never do homework for numbers. Who's your favorite 91? 91. I didn't do numbers homework. <laughs> I'll give you the two Hall of Famers. Okay. John Randall? You, who? He was 96, I think, or 98. I thought you were going to name the guy that you named last last for 90 that you worked, the Scanina. Scanina. He maybe wore 91 in high school. No, we're going to go with Reggie White and Kevin huh? Green. Wow, two big-time uh, players wearing 91. Yeah, both Hall of Famers. Uh, that, of course, is Rick Spielman. I'm Ryan Wilson, and today's Tuesday, Rick means it's time for Old Pop or Drop, where we highlight some of the top performances from last week's college games. And we'll be focusing our attention on Penn State, Ohio State, and Tennessee, Alabama, where our very own Mr. Spielman was in attendance. We'll also check in on Caleb Williams and how that experience is going. Uh, spoiler alert, not great, at least for the Trojans. It's going okay for Caleb. And uh, as always, we'll turn our attention to the NFL to rank our top five rookie performances from Week 7 which includes a rookie quarterback that wasn't even drafted. Wild times indeed. But first things first, if you're watching us on YouTube at NFL on CBS, you can see Rick, the official with the first big draft countdown board. What we got? We have 184 days until the 2024 NFL draft and 84 more days until <laughs> I can unleash on Ryan. <laughs> I love that you're holding back. This is what holding back looks like, Debo. Ryan, I, I got to jump in yeah. because – Eagles fans will, will be in the comments. You know, I know we think we have the next Reggie White with, with Jalen Carter. But number-wise, much more well-known for wearing 92 with the Eagles. And I just looked it up. He wore 91 only in his rookie year. Wow. I just Google it, and that's what popped up. Thank you for pointing that out. So primarily 92. 91, Fletcher Cox, if we want to go with the Eagles. I made that same mistake with uh, another player, and someone left me a comment. Um, it was Art Monk. 81 and 82, I think. So thank you for yeah, the clarification. If Reggie had been wearing 91 his whole career with the Eagles, uh, Fletcher Cox would not be wearing that number for the past decade plus. Thank you for the clarification. And uh, once again, the internet internet beat me on that one, Rick. I, I fell for the uh, – didn't do my research. I'm going to have to use that internet sometime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you need to I was flying back from Alabama last night, and uh, – there was a great movie on BlackBerry and how it was invented and how it took over the world and how it got crushed when the iPhone came out. Very yeah. interesting movie. No, I didn't know a lot about it. It started up in Canada. 
you must have had a BlackBerry early in your. Always had a BlackBerry. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, you didn't have the, the backstory is what you're saying. I didn't have the backstory, but yeah. I watched it on a uh, on a movie last night uh, coming home from uh, Tuscaloosa. They must not have had Hallmark on the plane. No, <laughs> well, between that and watching the uh, the game, and went back and forth. Yeah, that game was something else. Uh, and we'll talk about that in a second when we talk about some of these rookies. Uh, yeah, the good old BlackBerry. I'm sort of shocked you don't still have a BlackBerry, Rick. You probably have it somewhere. I did, but I uh, lost it in a hurricane. I kept all my old phones. I had I my first that. flip phone, and then my <laughs> first – that my technology intelligence is way above a lot of other people's. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah. So I remember I went to an auction back in the – been early nineties and I bought one of those cell phones that had the big pack. So you just hung it up and then you carried it with a strap. Over your shoulder. Oh, that Oh, you were that guy. You were Zach Morris from saved by the bill. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. And I was, and I tried to dial it up after I bought it because I bought it for like $45 or $50. No one was bidding on it and it never worked. And I didn't understand that you had to, buy a plan with it in order for it to work. I thought you just buy the phone. It was just like a regular dial-up phone. I could just be riding in my car and dialing up phones and calling people, but it never worked. Walking around with your phone purse and just thought you had it for free. Yeah. No, it was, it's very frustrating. That's why you had people until you came to CBS and now Debo is your person. <laughs> and Debo, I think it's more like we're Debo's person. Like We work for Debo. Uh, all right, if you missed it last Thursday, I unveil my midseason top 50 big board, and uh, Rick shared his thoughts, and the biggest takeaway was that uh, Spencer Rattler is going to be probably the first overall pick, so I appreciate it, Rick, sharing those thoughts. Yeah, no, I'm 100% behind you for another 84 days. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, you can check that out in the old podcast feed. We also went through, and, uh, went through a stack of our five-star prospect evaluations, and speaking of which, remember, Leaves a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, nominate an FBS or FCS college player, and we'll evaluate his draft prospects on an upcoming show. One of the names that you and I both loved last uh, last week was Cameron Scadabo out of Arizona State, Sacramento State transfer, uh, and that was by way of the Apple Podcast five-star nominations. So keep those coming because that was that was a lot of fun. And finally, if you don't mind, hit the old uh, thumbs up on YouTube at NFL and CBS. It helps us grow the show and spread the word. All right, Rick, go time. It is go time. So let's go and talk about the aforementioned Caleb Williams, who in his last three games lost to Utah on a last-second field goal. The previous drive, Caleb ran in a touchdown to put them up. Uh, he didn't throw a touchdown last week or an interception, which was good. The week before that, it was Notre Dame. And we talked last week about the first quarter or the first half and the three interceptions and how that did not go particularly well. Played a lot better in the second half. The game was already enhanced, so it didn't much matter. The week before that, it was Arizona. They had to go to double overtime, and Caleb had to drag that team literally over the the end zone. He ran that, uh, ran it into the end of that game for the win. Where are we uh, on Caleb after two losses? And I went on HQ on Sunday during the middle of football to talk with Brady and our buddy Tommy Tran about does any does this mean anything for Caleb's draft prospects? So I'll start there for you. No, none whatsoever. And I watched the game. Uh, I got to watch the film on him. He made some incredible throws. Um, he made plays with his legs. You can see his athleticism, how fast he is. Um, and I don't think it's 
USC is not losing because of the way Caleb Williams is playing. They have a lot of other issues uh, on that team right now. They can't stop anyone on defense to start, you know. But Caleb Williams did everything this past game to give them an opportunity to win that game, in my opinion. And whether they're on a two-game losing streak or not, and you want to blame the quarterback, you can blame the quarterback, but it's not going to affect his draft status any way, shape, or form, in my opinion. We talked about it last week. In the second half, he didn't give up. In fact, he seemed to grit his teeth and sink his heels in or whatever other cliche you want to use and started making plays, didn't turn the ball over. And then at the end of the Utah game, you saw him sitting on the bench, dejected, demoralized, whatever word you want to use. He wasn't angry or pointing fingers. He just seemed incredibly unhappy with how things have played out. And to me, that said that he cares because you could be in that situation and maybe you don't care. Maybe. And someone in the media tweeted this out, a former player, and hilariously, Brady Quinn called him out on HQ. I, I won't necessarily do that, but he said, Caleb should wrap it in, wrap it up, close down shop, and get ready for the NFL. And Brady, who I called on, on HQ, a younger, handsomer version of Rick Spielman, because he said this, if there's a competition, essentially he said this, if there's a competition, you need to compete. So it would be incredibly stupid not to play. I would imagine your thoughts are in line with Brady's. What, what do I always say? And I'll say it a hundred times. I said, it on, I said it on HQ. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I want to know the guys were going to roll a ball, ball out in the, uh, in the yard. Who's yeah. going to show up and play regardless. So you're fine. There's, there's no negatives in terms of on the field or off the field, what you've seen with Caleb from afar. We haven't talked to anyone about it. I don't think you have either, but just based on eyeball viewing from a distance. No. And yeah. then, you know, him being dejected on the bench and that's all that. And it's uh that kid put his heart and soul into that game and did everything humanly possible to try to get USC to victory. And even, you know, running in for that score at the end of the game. And uh, I don't know if there's anything else that he could have done to to help pull that game out because I thought he did everything that was humanly possible. Uh, to try to get USC to win that game. And by all accounts, I've heard that he's a great teammate. Uh, there he is. If you're if you're watching on YouTube, there's Caleb after the game, wondering where it all went wrong. Great teammate, great in the locker room, great guy to be around. Um, a little birdie named Debo asked me to ask you this question: What if he did shut it down? Are you taking Drake make first if you're at the top of the draft board? I have a lot of discussion about that. <laughs> That'll be the first question you ask him at the combine. And what if he said, "I wanted to be ready for the NFL." That's his answer. Yeah, no, I'm going to have issues with that because to me, what if it's where he's playing, he's under contract, just like he's under contract technically with USC, with the NIL monies and all the other stuff he's making, and we're out of the playoffs or we haven't won a game and we know the season's coming to an end, we're not going to get to the playoffs, are you going to shut it down and, and start focusing on next year? He says, no, I won't do that. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> but history says you may. Yeah. Why? So, okay. So I, you're gonna go up to the line with these questions, but at the end of the day, you're still taking them first overall. I see how he answers the questions. Okay. All right. All right. I love it. There you go. Got you in a little pickle there. I mean, look in your defense. I'm not in a pickle. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. In your defense, and you love Bryce Young more than his parents do, you gave him the business at the Combine when he said he wasn't going to throw, and he had his answer ready, and he threw it his pro day, and we were there, and it was fun. He did great, but you didn't you didn't let him get by on that. 
no, I'm not going to, that's I've done that for 30 some years. That's what you do. You try to ask the, you know, the, the appropriate, but tough question to see how they <laughs> respond. Appropriate is one man's opinion. Yes. The agent might feel it's another, another word is appropriate. Yeah, no, it's just tell me yeah, you did it. I didn't make that, <laughs> you make that decision. It's like when you're kids, right? Right. I'm not, you the one that made that decision. I didn't make that decision. Here are the consequences when you make that decision. You either go to the left or to the right. There's a fork in the road. Which way you're going to go? Although one coach told me if there's a fork in the road, just pick it up and take it. <laughs> that, is, that is a 100. That's a dad joke before dad jokes were a thing. As my buddy likes to say, uh, you have freedom of choice, but not freedom of consequence. And typically we are talking about our kids when we talk about that, but it, that will apply certainly to to these young men as we go through the draft process. All it's right. Like, we're not, yeah. Oh, when I my kids and they made a wrong decision. I didn't make that decision, but you know, you're going to have to go run the Hills because you made that decision. So <laughs> what do you want me to do about it? You know what the rule is, you know uh, what the consequences I'm laughing are. Because Diva, how uh, unsurprising is it that when Rick's kids acted up, he made them run. <laughs> you got to go run. The, I got to try that. Especially my 12 year old. He's not particularly yeah, active. You know, where we lived in Minnesota. And, uh, it was a giant sled hill, uh, where everybody went sled riding in the winters and screwed up. We were up at five 30 in the morning. Oh man. You're like a military, uh, I had to go to work. So you're a drill sergeant. Yeah. All right. Get your running shoes on kids. It's go time. Yep. I got I the dogs. The dogs were running up and down the hill. Happy as hell. I was happy as hell. I was walking, getting my walk in in the morning. Kids weren't very happy though. Hey man. I'm I trying to keep the positive out of a negative. Okay. That's you make right. a negative decision. Running this hill is going to be a positive for you. Your legs are going to get stronger. You're going to get faster. So let's make a positive out of a negative here. I'm with you. And my my 16 year old like needs exercise, even though he doesn't know he needs it. So I'm fine with exercising him, much like the, you know, our puppy. And then you you seem to act better over the course of the day. So maybe you are maybe you're ahead of the you're progressive parenting. How do you like that? You have to start your own blog about that, Mr. Spielman. In the meantime. Let's talk some more of these prospects. We're going to go to Columbus, Ohio, or as I like to call it, Spielman City. Wow. I mean, show me a place where there's a more popular family than the Spielmans in Columbus, Ohio, and uh, I will be shocked. But the old Buckeyes put a hurting on Penn State. And Debo's Penn State guy, he said he didn't watch the game, probably because he was jet-setting around the world. Drew Aller, the quarterback, coming out of the tunnel for Penn State, man, he looks the part. And I had high hopes for him. And even through the first two, two and a half quarters, like, okay, he looks like he has an opportunity to do some things, but that offense just never allowed him to do it. Uh, part of that was because Ohio State played so well on both sides of the ball. But we're going to start with Ohio State offensively. This guy, let me get his name right, Marvin Harrison. I think he's going to be pretty good. <laughs> I think he's going to be a ball player. <laughs> My goodness. And tell me what you think of this, Rick. Uh, he had nine catches for a million yards. Um, tell me what you think of this. It feels like he is almost, I don't want to say going through the motions, but he's flipping. Like you, 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 rare, you say sometimes you can't just flip a switch and turn it on. You have to be going and stay going. It feels like Marvin Harrison Jr. can flip a switch because we saw earlier in the season he was frustrated with the the lack of consistency maybe at at the wide receiver position, I mean, at the quarterback position. And we saw some frustration early in this game and some balls that were 
within his humongous catch radius, but he didn't haul in. They would have been tough catches, but you probably expect him to catch those things. And then once he got rolling, that was a wrap. And I'm not just talking about running deep routes past Kalen King, who was in coverage for more than 50% of the snaps. And he had a tough, tough chore ahead of him, no doubt about it. But you saw Marvin Harrison win on slants where in man coverage versus Kalen King, where he was wide ass open at the stem. And you don't necessarily see that a lot at any level of football. And I was just like, okay, he he decided he was going to win on this route and win convincingly. And then he would do that consistently. And I'm not saying he's not playing hard every snap. It just felt like when he wanted to take it from fifth gear to overdrive, he could do that. He The way he played and he came to play this game, and not saying he doesn't come to play every game, but the national stage, uh, the implications and everything riding on this game, uh, you know, the winner probably has the lead right now going into the final four at the end of the season. Now, Ohio State still has Michigan to come up yet, but um, this tells you what type of player this kid's going to be in the NFL. He was just physically dominant in this game versus a really good Penn State defense, and he just took the game over. And like I said, when you see games like this, you see him perform like this. He has not only is he going to be a, a an impact player wherever he gets drafted, but he may have the potential to be. I would put a future Hall of Fame grade on him based off of this game. I was muted. Sorry, <laughs> you thought you went deaf for a second, didn't you? <laughs> so what's that? An eight zero or nine zero? Whatever the the. The perfect grading scale, the weird grading scale. Yeah, the NFL. yeah, he would have had pretty much close to a – if he was a gymnast, I would have gave him a 10. I'm early retting. Uh, by the way, I was I was wrong there. He had 11 catches for 162. I had to scramble to find the, the numbers there. So, again, he had the slow start to the season. We talked about the Indiana game back in early September where he seemed frustrated at times. The last three games, he's gone for 163 against Maryland, 105 against Purdue, and then 162 against Penn State. He has had some focus drops. I mentioned them briefly there. He had some against Purdue – you don't care about that, do you? No, he's he's a he's a what you want to call him generational player at his position. Once in every blue moon, you see a guy with this much talent, this much size, and his personality is the most humble, unassuming, almost quiet, introverted demeanor for a guy that has this much ability that I have interviewed. Um, on the Jalen Hurts scale of how much Rick loves this person, and Jalen's a ten, where would you where would you put Marvin? He's like a nine. Wow. Okay. So you're. See, I was very impressed. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what the holes in this man's game are. I don't think they exist. And you know, no. I've said it before. Scouts told me before. You don't have to have. You don't have. To have you don't have to find something wrong with the player. They just might end up being really good. Yeah. This one. Think- this one's going to be really good. Let me ask you this. So when you're talking about him in the spring, is this like a, a 30 second conversation or there's not a whole lot to go through? What are you talking about? Like when you, when you, when you meet together as a staff to go over the prospects, you're going over the wide receivers oh. and, and Marvin's name comes up. Yeah. This one's going to be a, probably a 10 minute conversation, especially in 10 or 11 or nine or eight. Yeah. Right. The only reason to be a conversation if you're picking two and you need a quarterback and a wide receiver. Yeah, or if you're going to try to be aggressive and trade up to go get him. Oh yeah, like um, like your good buddy uh, Thomas Dimitrov did when he went up to get Julio Jones. Yes, Debo's new favorite Eagle, Julio, yep. number eighty. 
He looks weird in that number 80 in, in the Kelly Green. Uh, but he's looking for that Super Bowl ring. All right. I think this is, uh, I'm going to speak for you. I don't like to do this, but pop, pop. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. That's that even. That's <laughs> like for wasting your time. Yeah. Yeah. It's just <laughs> like, what are we doing here? With the, what are we doing with our lives? <laughs> All right. Let's move on to the other side of the ball. The man that was tasked with D'ing up Marvin Harrison Jr. on a good number of the snaps there. Kalen uh, King, cornerback out of Penn State, really good player. We talked about him over the summer. Um, I watched him in, in the Iowa game earlier this year when Iowa ran 12 offensive plays, it felt like, because Iowa's offense is uh, from the from bedrock, played against Fred Flintstone University in terms of how antiquated that, that group is. But um, I'll ask you this. How do you evaluate? Because this is the game that the NFL teams are going to look at first when you talk about Kalen King as a potential first-round pick. How do you evaluate having a, a pretty tough afternoon against one of the best players on the planet? And one of those tough plays involves a defensive holding downfield, which is feels like it's called half the time, but it was defensive holding. It negated a Curtis Jacobs uh, fumble six that would have put them in the end zone Penn State, and that was, if not a turning point, a pretty important uh, pretty important part of that game. I think Kalen showed that he could be physical in the run. He tried to be too physical, I thought, at times with Marvin, who's bigger and stronger and probably faster, and it was to his detriment. So how do you evaluate that sort of player? He didn't play good. This is quite simple. <laughs> he was not very good in this game. And that's a question you're going to have. Like, see him playing against the, the Big Ten receivers and putting an overall grade on him, but this is a game you're going to come back to and hone in on because he's going to have to play against dudes like Marvin Harrison Jr. in the NFL. And is he a true number one corner? Is he a number two corner? Is he just a Nick, potentially? And he plays uh, primarily outside right now. Yeah, so there are going to be a lot of questions. There's going to be a lot of uh, debate in that draft room on where this player belongs on your draft board, especially after the poor performance he had in one of the biggest games of the year to date. And those are the questions that you're going to pull this tape up when you have him in an interview and you're going to have him talk through it. And we're going to see now the one thing that I would love to see is after having such a poor performance, how quickly does this guy forget? And does he come back and have one of his best games and who they play the uh, next week? Let me ask you, and Unfortunately, it's hard to sort of forget the last two months of the NFL season, but uh, who would you take first, his former teammate Joey Porter Jr. or Kalen King right now if you needed a cornerback? Joey Porter Jr. right now because I okay. got that, that impression of when we had Joey Porter Jr., we talked about him when he made that interception, and then my last impression of this kid was this game. Right. So that's why you got to make sure you take a step back and not make critical judgments and look at the whole picture and then and, hone into why he had so many struggles this game versus a premier receiver. Yeah, I know why. He was playing Marvin Harrison Jr. <laughs> that was why. And look, and the other thing is, in Joey Porter Jr.'s defense, he had a really good game against Marvin Harrison Jr. last year when they were matched up. They weren't matched up quite this frequently. They yeah, they didn't have a lot of matchups. But he, he held his own. And the issue with him coming out was a little stiff and the the ball production. He's somehow getting interceptions like it's his job now. But um, all right. So tough outing for Kalen King. He's still one of the best cornerbacks in this draft class. So I, he, how he bounces back. 
Uh, drop for me. I'm guessing you feel similarly. It's uh, 84 days. Yes, a drop, Ryan. I agree with you wholeheartedly. <laughs> All right, let's stay on the Penn State side of the football, but we'll go to left tackle. A guy we talked a lot about last year until he decided to return to school. A guy we talked about over the summer. And uh, number 74 left tackle, Olu Fashionu. I found out how he pronounced his name. He called him Joe Clatt. By the way, I, I love that um, guy. I, what's his name? Who's Joe Clatt's partner, Debo, who's awesome? Gus Johnson. Gus, thank you. Gus kept calling Marvin uh, Mits, uh, Mitsubishi. He called him Maserati Marv, which I sort of love. I don't know if that's a thing. Maybe they've been calling that for a while, but I love Maserati Marv. Did you call him that in the interview? No. No. <laughs> well, don't call him Mitsubishi Marv like I just did. He might get angry at that. Yeah. How do you know he even likes that? <laughs> he may not. Um, Olu Fashionu, number 74. Uh, I thought he did pretty well until JTT came over. Because JTT, uh, JT Tumaloao, number 44, the edge rusher, and we'll just lump them in together here for Ohio State. Started on, on the defensive left, left, so he was facing off the right tackle. Then he would come over to the to over Fashanu on the left side, and he gave Fashanu a handful. Fashanu a handful, excuse me. And it was funny; it felt like Tumaloao was going eighty-seven percent against the right tackle, and then one hundred twenty-five percent against Fashanu, and that was interesting to watch. But he won more than he lost, I thought, against Fashanu. And one of the notes I made, Rick, was. How close is the race for OT1 between Fashionu and Joe Alt after this Ohio State game? Yeah, I I, I had thought he had struggled some. Uh, I mean, I watched the game, and he was good for the most part in pass pro, except when a game at the end there where JT just you know got him on a spin move, walked him back. A couple of times for as athletic as Fashanu is, uh, he was on the ground a little bit this game for yeah. whatever reason. He got tripped up on trying to react to a game. You still see the athleticism, the length. I still think he needs to get a little more. At times, he finishes in the run game. A couple times, he got lazy on the backside, let guys cut across his face, uh, trying to cut off the backside. But he did not have his best game either, uh, I, I didn't think. And JT – came across like he had a point to prove. And if you remember last year, this was when they played at Penn State. JT had maybe the greatest game of a defensive end ever had. He had like two sacks, six tackle for loss. He had Miles Garrett out there. Yeah, he had one of those Miles Garrett games. And I thought he, uh, when you see these, you love the competition because you don't think JT knows who Fashanu is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he wants to put that on his resume, on his, on his tape. Uh, so when the NFL teams, they're going to evaluate this matchup. And I thought for the most that I would give the nod to JT over uh, Fashanu in this game. I agree. I thought Fashanu had very little trouble with Jack Sawyer, number 33. He will talk about throughout this process. Talik Williams, and he matched up a few times, number 91, a, a player who's on my top 50 and a guy that you like a lot. And, Williams is is the only reason he's on your top fifty is because I brought his name up. You brought his name up, Pete Prisco Jr. I and that's why I watched him before. You're exactly right. You discovered him. <laughs> but also, how concerning, if at all, is it just a technique issue that maybe Fashnu got too high at times that JT was walking him back into Alex's yeah, lap yeah. on more than one occasion? 
it's not going to affect him as much as it's going to affect King, in my opinion. Okay. Um, he's still – it's not going to affect his draft status. I still think he's going to be the first offensive tackle off the board and probably in the top five. Yeah. But uh, JT, and like I said, for whatever reason, if JT played against Penn State every week, he'd be maybe the number one overall pick the way this kid – for the production he had last year and what he's shown this year in this game as well. Is that a question you're asking him in the interview? Like why you only turn it up against Penn state? I mean, he's well, a good uh, football player. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but. No, he's a, he plays hard every game. Yeah. You know, and we, we, the only criticism we had is we said he's more disruptive than productive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm not criticizing this kid any way, shape, or form. When you watch the tape on JT, he plays his rear end off every snap. He's just not always consistent to finish um, for whatever reason, but it's not due to lack of effort or lack of physical ability. All right. So I, I agree with that, by the way. Um, pop or drop for Mr. Fashanu? I'm going to give him a drop. Yeah, I, I think I will too, but I, I love him. He's still a wide receiver. He's still offensive tackle one for me. I love Joe Alto, and we talked about him, so he's had a good season. And JT, what are you doing? Pop. Pop for old JT. Yeah, that was a great game for him. And it was funny. Every time he lined up uh, over the left tackle, he he cranked it up a notch too. Um, got after it. Made some plays. So you like to see. All right. Let's go to the other side. Chopper Robinson had to leave the game early. With what I think was a head injury, he did not look look good uh, on his way off the field. So hopefully he's okay. We've talked about him before. Oh, quickly, JT, I think he's a first-round pick. What do you think? Around the border? Yep. Okay. I think if he finishes strong, that yeah, he's he's going to be a first-round pick. Okay, yeah. I feel similarly. And the other thing is in, in terms of the disruptive versus productive thing that you, you talked about, he's also 20 or 21 or whatever he is. He, he can get better. He's, he's got a huge upside. It's like, you know, not the same body type, but the same sort of uh, Lucas Van Ness type. Yeah, Lucas Van Ness didn't do a whole bunch at Iowa, but I, I guarantee you he'll be a better football player in the NFL. I'm not comparing them as body types. Oh, oh, wait, 84 days. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's a great comparison, Brian. You really were done your homework. Boy, what yeah. pops into your head sometimes on this show? It's incredible. <laughs> you know what I was thinking about the other day? Uh, I, were we talking? To, I couldn't even remember who we were talking. I think we we're talking to Anthony Richardson. And even you throw me under the bus every 35 minutes or so. It's like you can set your time, your watch to it. But I, Danny was on set with us and I mentioned Charlie Ward and Danny almost threw the chair at me when I mentioned Charlie Ward. I was just trying to involve Danny in the conversation as former teammate at Florida state. And Danny, like Rick was hearing none of it. All right, moving on. And how disrespectful you were to Lucas Van Ness. I like Lucas Van Ness as a player. He's not JT. He's not as athletic as JT. No, but my point was that he is not a finished product. That's what I was trying to get at. Well, you you have a tough time getting to your end point because it is a long journey to get all the way back around to what you're trying to Because as soon as you say something that I guess in my mind doesn't make sense, then I've got to do a better job of not shutting you off right at that point. I've got to continue to listen to you explain why you come up with some of the, okay, I can't, 84 days, count to 10. Asinine, you can use asinine. No, unique. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm a quarterback that uh, never gets to the third read. He gets to the first read, and then he gets sacked. Yeah, 
And I'm, I'm the one that cut you off after the first read. Yeah. You got to be a better quarterbacks coach. That's what I'm hearing. I, I need to be a better listener and I will work on that for the next 84 days. And then all gloves are off. All right. Let's talk about Adisa Isaac, who I have compared to uh, JT Watt. I just made up that name. JJ and TJ. That's Steve. Yeah. Uh, no, Adisa Isaac, uh, the edge rusher out of Penn state. I mentioned earlier that chop had to leave the game, unfortunately. And uh, Adisa has been sort of, sort of flying under the radar. He's gotten some buzz from the Shrine Bowl, and he's on some watch list for sure. Number 20, the edge rusher there, lines up primarily as a, outside the tackles, a seven or nine technique. And he has a little little juice. I, I, I like watching him play. I never paid attention to him in, until this game. He's a high-motor guy, plays through the whistle, sideline to sideline, will run down, plays from the backside. I thought he needed to get a little stronger to the point. And, again, those are things you can certainly do as you grow and get older. Um, didn't have a lot of in the way of pass rush moves. He just tried to win with speed or power, and sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. He did get a strip sack uh, of uh, McCord. Uh, McCord re- recovered it, but the fact that he he got there and got home quickly is what you'd like to see. Can win sometimes with the, the games inside coming through the, the A-gaps. So I was pleasantly surprised as, as a first viewing uh, of a player who seems to have uh, – like he's a high upside player for me. Yeah, no, I, that's first uh, exposure I had to him as well since uh, he didn't make your top 50. Um, but he was one of the 84 20- days, Rick. Yeah. There, he was one of the 250 guys that didn't make your top 50. <laughs> so, but I would say this, I, I was loved his length. I loved his athleticism and speed. I do think he is a little tight in the hip. So, but the motor you can't teach and where he lacks in technique right now, that can be all be taught. So I did. I was pleasantly surprised yeah. because he has length. He could run a little tight, needs a lot of technique work, uh, needs to get stronger in the run game, especially when he's reduced inside. But a couple of times, and I know Stover was hurt, the tight end from Ohio State with a bad ankle, but he kind of shocked and shed him at the point a few times uh, and, and kind of overpowered him. So this kid uh, kind of popped out on the tape out of all the Penn State guys that didn't play very well this game. He was the one that I thought popped out out of the guys we've talked about so far, at least as a as a guy that you would want to look at and uh, do more research on. Yeah, um, felt like a mid to early day three guy based on potential maybe as we just sit here in middle October. Yeah, this guy has the length and 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 runs fast. Yeah, he'll he'll be a early Saturday pick. Do you remember Arnold Ebicetti out of out of Penn State? He plays for the Falcons now, I believe. Sort of longish Temple transfer. I was going to ask you to compare to him, but if you don't have him at the top of your Rolodex, I don't have Rolodex. Yeah, I think he went late day two, and he was a he was an interesting prospect in terms of being raw, but with with upside for sure, and um. I won't draw comparisons because I know you hate those, but I will ask you this. Oh, I popper, love, uh, popper drop for Mr. Isaac. Uh, he was the only pop for me on Penn State. Yeah, no, I agree. You mentioned Kate Stover by the like, ankle injury. He went out there and put a knee brace on and started making catches like his job, like his life depended on it. He was he, he had a pretty good game. Um, tough hombre now. He is yeah. he's incredibly tough. Former defensive player, I believe. I didn't watch him closely, just on the linebacker. broadcast. Linebacker, yep. yeah. Yeah, they they produce linebackers at Ohio State. I can't remember. No, no, no none. No, <laughs> Spielman City. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential, and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. 
No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, so Rick was in attendance. Tuscaloosa. Uh, what's the name of the stadium? Denny? I just I just put it in, go to stadium. <laughs> Bryant Denny. Bryant Denny Stadium. Thank you, Debo. Uh, you were there with the CBS crew. You saw Jenny Dell on the sideline handing Nick Saban a cigar. And uh, I think that was a great moment for Jenny and for Nick, but also for Jalen Milrow, who was uh, being interviewed by Jenny after the game. I've never seen someone laugh so hard in the presence of, uh, of Nick Saban, who also had Nick Saban as, as a coach in that moment. I think it was a it was a fun moment for sure. So if you haven't seen that, check that out. But in terms of the game, you sent me and Debo a text and said, uh, Alabama's not playing too good in the first 30 minutes of this football game. And then they turned it on after the half. Joe Milton, I thought, played his best game that I've seen perhaps ever. And I haven't seen every single throw he's made, but he was on time and accurate on a lot of the throws, some of them underneath. But he, he's not going to throw with anticipation. And we'll start with Joe Milton before we get to the Alabama guys because that's the only Tennessee guy we're going to talk about. He's never going to throw with anticipation, but sometimes when you throw the ball 150 miles an hour, maybe you don't need to on the comebacks, uh, on the on the throws outside. And you mentioned how athletic he was, and it showed up on, on, on you know, from a thousand miles away from when I was watching on television. But talk about Joe Milton, the athlete that you saw in person, and then some of the things he was able to do before, you know, it sort of unraveled for them in the second half. Yeah, I was uh, I went, uh, taken back a little bit about how big this kid is. And he has put together and length and everything. He looks like a prototype NFL quarterback slash tight end <laughs> when he came yeah. walking out of that tunnel. And then watching him throw in pregame, I mean, he was standing flat-footed and putting the ball 60, 70 yards in the air. And there's no question about his stroke, his release. All that is just A++ when you, when you watched him in the pregame. Then I got into the game, and he threw that uh, whatever that wheel wheel route was. The uh, slot got matched up on a linebacker, which was a dropped coverage, uh, and then threw a beautiful touchdown pass. I think in that opening drive, and yep. you just see how natural the ball comes off this kid's hand. Uh, but other thing that surprised me about him is that I thought he was a little bit earlier tape, but he was just a statue in the pocket. Yeah, his athleticism really jumped out to me here. Now he's not Anthony Richardson athletic, but he is a better athlete than I anticipated on tape when I got an opportunity to see him live. Uh, 
Second half was a different story, though. When they started to get pressure on him, when they started to get the rush and he got hit around a few times, he started to look at the rush and kind of was almost a little bit deer and headlightish. But you can see there is talent there. The biggest question is going to be on him is not the physical ability, not the mechanics and throwing. It's not the athleticism. It'll be the processing. And can he process at the next level? We had a lot of the same discussions on Anthony Richardson when we were talking about him last year at this time. But the one thing that Anthony Richardson had, he was just such a unique athlete for his size. I'm not putting that kid in that category, that arm talent and the way he throws the ball. When we watched Anthony Richardson throw at his pro day last year, very similar, uh, but not the same athlete. And if he's not going to be the same athlete, can he process and get through the progressions that he's going to need to do and quickly at the next level? That part, yeah. no. I feel like Anthony Richardson, based on what we've seen through the first month of the season before he was injured, he was a better. He's a better processor. It feels like than Joe Milton. He's showing. He's still. He's improved since we saw the right. tape last year. Is he there? Yeah. No, but that's right. Such a unique athlete that he he can he can create on his own. I don't think this guy's going to do that same type of thing. Create on his own, but he can move for how big he is. Right. No, I agree with that. And one of the things that Anthony Richardson was not afraid to do in college and not afraid to do over the first month of the season is throw with anticipation. And that's one of the things that concerns me about Joe Milton. The other thing is he could throw with touch, even though he could throw the ball through the wall. And you mentioned the touchdown on the first drive for Joe Milton. There was a one later in that game where he needed to feather the ball to the back corner of the end zone and he overthrew the tight end. Now, Maybe Travis Kelsey makes that catch, but the, the Tennessee tight end, it, it was a tough play for him. And just a, a simpler throw simplifies everything for everyone. So that's the concern. That said, still his best game. If you're sitting there on day three, yes. how early are you taking him? I think you'll see how the rest of the season goes. But to me, it's all – you're going to stack him right now in day three, but – once you get through that pre-draft process, all the testing, all the film study with him, all the, uh, I guess, essentials to play quarterback at that level, at the next level, if how many boxes is he going to be able to check? Not physically, yeah. but mentally. Yep. No, I think that's right. I, I think day three, just because of everything that he's capable of doing and just finding a way to, to make it more consistent, I'm going to give him a pop. I'd give him a pop on this game from what I've seen in the past. For sure. All right. Let's go to the other side of the ball. And I know that Debo has Dallas Turner listed as the next item up for bid. I want to start with Kool-Aid McKinstry, though. Okay. Because I, I did watch him closely, and I'll let you highlight the other Alabama players because I didn't get through those guys. Um, I want to start with special teams, though, because I think it was the USF game that he muffed a punt. And then Kool-Aid – has since refused to catch punts. I would yes. imagine Nick Saban wants to throw his clipboard out of the stadium with, with frustration because you're just losing 10, 15, 20 yards per punt on field position. So I thought he played pretty well at cornerback, and I like him as a cornerback. I felt this is one of the games I felt like, okay, I see everything that he can do. He he can plaster receivers, and that's encouraging. But this special teams thing, man, this is a 
above the neck thing. And does that bleed over to your job as a cornerback? Like, how do you sort it through all this? Yeah, it's, you, you grade it separately. Like, I would not say that he's a legitimate punt returner in the NFL. Okay, problem solved. <laughs> but he's a legitimate corner. Yeah. And he played, I thought he had a really good game this game. Uh, a couple of times they tested him in the red zone, and he was in great position. Um, and when they did throw the ball to him, he's just so smooth and fluid. The biggest question will be what this what Kool-Aid runs, because there are some concerns about if he's going to be fast enough or not. But his savvy and his smarts and his instincts take away the Texas game, which I didn't think he played very well in, but all the other games that's from a corner position uh, is, is very solid. And he's more than willing in run support, which you get a little stronger, but he is a, uh, he was very solid. Is he going to be a zone corner or a man corner? I think teams will have to determine that, but even if he doesn't run as fast as you would like because of his technique, he stays on top of the receivers when he gets extended down the field. He just knows how to play the position. And he looks long. I don't know what his, his numbers are. He's very long. What he runs a four, six, two. That's a concern. Joe Hayden ran in the four sixes. He's a great NFL pro. Yeah, that, but that'll be a concern. Okay, I get it. I, I just wanted to get you on record. All right, so special teams, the lowest of the low drops. We're not concerned with that, but I gave him a pop for the way he played defensively. Yeah, he played solid. He was a pop on defense, a drop on special teams as a punt return. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, that just I can't imagine Saban's happy about that, but Whatever. They won the game, and, and Kool-Aid played well because of it. All right, let's go to number 15, the edge rusher, Dallas Turner, who we haven't talked a lot about this year compared to how much we talked about Will Anderson, his former teammate, last year, but that doesn't mean he's not playing well. I didn't watch him closely in this game, so I will get uh, your book report on how Dallas Turner did. He he was, the way they played this game and the game plan it came up with, he almost dropped in coverage more than he actually rushed the passer. I think it was almost 50-50 on the snaps he rushed and the snaps that he – and they played this game where the defensive lineman kind of sat and read first and then rushed because of the type of t- offense that Tennessee runs. But all I know is what I've seen in the fourth quarter, when they had to go get the quarterback and this kid put his hand down, he got after the quarterback. Uh, he had a He had a big sack. Uh, he had a lot of pressures, uh, probably that last series or two in the fourth quarter. Didn't do much during the entire game. Still needs to get a little stronger at the point versus the run. But when he wants to go, and when you watch the tape on him, he doesn't have uh, Will Anderson opposite him this year. So all the attention's going to him. Uh, but he is very quick with his first step as a pass rusher. He has speed. He can turn speed to power. Uh, He can bend and dip at the edge. He can find a quarterback in the pocket. So even though he had limited opportunities this game to rush the passer, and I I know because I was down there, but this would be the game would like, why are you? Well, he would respond, our coaches, our game plan was to handle it this way. So this is what they asked me to do. Yeah. And, uh, but when they let him pin his ears back and go at the end of the game, he made an impact. I think Braswell had the strip sack. Mm. Uh, and in that, I think Another very good football player. We haven't talked about him. And I don't 41, you know, Yeah. Yeah. But he had the strip sack at the end. 
but that may have been in a situation where Dallas was asked to drop. Uh, I don't yeah. call specifically yeah. there. Yeah. Because By the way, they oh, were only rushing three or four guys. Yeah. Dropping seven or eight in the coverage. I should have asked you this and I forgot, but uh, Kool-Aid still your cornerback one? Yeah. Top 10? Or you got to wait for the time? Let's let's wait. Okay. Four, four, eight? Top, Top 10. 10? Okay. All right, Dallas. I'll let you do the dropper pop since I didn't see him. Pop. Pop and this edge rush class is going to be stacked at the top. And I don't know if you've sorted out who you like the most here. Not yet. Okay. But he's, he's going to be in the 15 ish range. Yep. Feel like that's about the right. Okay. All right. Another guy you talked about last week. And when I did my top 50, you said, I think you said I had him too low. Um, the man who can't fit in every house because he's that thick. <laughs> I don't mean the door frame. I mean the actual house. Like yeah, you have to build a 4,000 square foot minimum house for JC Latham, the right tackle for Alabama. Uh, he is enormous. How do you play against Tennessee? Very dominant in the run game. I mean, when he comes down on uh, down blocks or angle blocks, he removes people at the line of scrimmage. Um, he is not a left tackle athlete. He's a right tackle athlete. His length is incredible. Uh, he was solid in pass pro a couple of times. What he'll learn in the NFL is when they drop, they take that first kick step in pass protection. And I've seen this in a couple other games. He almost opens the gate, which means instead of staying square as you kick step back and you turn like this, and when you turn like that, it makes you susceptible to inside counter moves. So when you say turn like that, you mean he's almost perpendicular to the line of scrimmage, and that I allows – He is – if he stays square to the line of scrimmage as he drops, and this is some of the technique that I learned from offensive coaches, then – you don't have to panic and turn and try to get your hands on the guy. Right. They square and then engage on him. Cause when gotcha. he puts his hands on you, you're done. You're not <laughs> going anywhere. It's like you're, you're stuck. But when they, what I mean by opening the gate is if you watch him kick step and he opens his hip and it's almost pointing directly to the sideline. Zach, gotcha. Instead of staying square to the line of scrimmage, that's when you can get into some issues. Because you can get but beat inside to that point. Have, I would say elite quickness with his feet, his length, and his power. I don't know how many times he just pushed guys past the pocket. <laughs> right. And the one thing that I noticed in the game that was I did you can't see on tape is when the game was on a line in the third and fourth quarter, he was a guy when he came off the sideline and they were getting ready to line up, he went and high-fived and got all those offensive linemen going as they got lined up every time. And I guarantee I, you made a note about it. He is an intense dude, and I was very impressed with his leadership when you see it live that you can't see on tape. Right. All right, let me ask you to to rank these guys in terms of where you would take them. His former teammates, um, Evan Neal, I think he was teammates with Jedrick Wells, both uh, Jedrick Wills, excuse me, both former first-round picks, one with the Giants and the other with the Browns. I like him better. Oh, okay. Okay. So I really like this kid. So you're talking. I think he may be the first Alabama player taken in this draft. I was hoping you say the first offensive tackle. That would be, that would be Caleb Williams over Peyton Manning crazy. <laughs> but you're thinking north of top, like first nine picks. Yeah. Oh, he's, I, I don't think he's getting out of the top 10. Yeah. All right. Great. Love it. So I'm, 
knowing that, I'm going to go with pop. I'm going to speak for you again. All right, a guy we talked about um, in, in recent weeks, pleasantly in a, a pleasantly surprising way, Jermaine Burton, the wide receiver. Big, strong, faster than I thought. Uh, How did he do against Tennessee? He was continued his rise through the draft boards because every time there was a critical third down situation and that quarterback struggles some now at Alabama, I'm not putting him in Hertz or Tua or Bryce Young mode by any stretch of the mean. But when they needed a play, this kid came up with a play and the play that stuck out to the medium most, it was third and seven in the third quarter. They needed to keep the ball. And he ran an inside dig route and the ball was thrown behind him. He caught the ball between two defenders reaching back and catching the ball and came up big every time his number was called. And I think people underestimated his speed. One of the things that were negative because last year on him was the inconsistency with the drops. Yeah. I think he has gotten stronger. He is quicker twitched. He is faster and he is way more consistent catching the ball. And he's a legitimate vertical deep threat this year. And we talked about him as a day two guy. I don't know if he sneaks North of that. No, he'll be in the day two mix, but I think he's certainly, uh, an example of someone who's helped themselves immensely by coming back. This is a kid that didn't make a mistake last year. And this is a perfect example of a kid coming back and maybe a day three guy that's actually moved into the day two and a solid day two pick, in my opinion. Yep, I agree. Again, another incredibly deep wide receiver class to go along with the deep offensive tackle class that we've talked about. All right, running back Jace McClellan. Yeah, we haven't talked about him. No. Uh he rotates with Rodell Williams uh, down there, and this kid is thicker than I thought when I saw him in person, but he had a big game this game. He, Since they don't throw the ball as consistently as they had in the past, they're running the ball. But this kid is like a lot of running backs playing in this league, that he is maybe 5'10", but he's about 2'10", 215". Very patient. They do a lot of in-between the tackles running. He has enough squirt through the... Uh, <laughs> That's a new one. <laughs> yeah, he can squirt through the creases inside. <laughs> you got to be careful when you do that. Uh, if there's a bathroom, not, not a bathroom nearby. <laughs> squirt through the creases. <laughs> Probably a little quicker than fast, but fast enough. Um, but I don't like his pad level all the time, the way he runs. But he's always going forward. There were a couple of times in this game he ran for a broke one to the outside where he did show enough speed to get uh, in the end zone for a touchdown. Made a couple of critical runs to keep the chains moving in the fourth quarter for him and catches the ball well out of the backfield. Uh, okay as a pass pro protector, but the one, one play that I watched J.C. Latham got beat to the inside, and this kid came and just put his face in there and smacked the edge rusher coming off, whoever that was. I can't remember if it was a blitz or not. So very good football player. Is he unique or elite in any skill set? No. Is he very efficient in everything he does? Yes. Are there guys with his skill set playing in the league? Yes, there are. So I think this guy is a day three guy. Hmm. But I do think that he's talented enough to make a roster, especially with the way that 
teams are going running back by committee right now. So are you going to pop him? I'm going to pop him. Now, his foot quickness isn't the same as Josh Jacobs when he came out. Yeah. But he is a very, very good college football player. That Let me that, ask you this, because one of the things I struggle with more than anything is figuring out where to sort of stack these running backs, because they're all, at some point they become almost like you're looking at the same player when you get down after the first, I don't know, four or five, depending on how deep the class is. If you're in a draft room, how are you sorting through in the spring the 500 running backs who fit the same, check all the same boxes? Is it coming uh, down the system? Is it coming? Yeah, that's when you uh, are doing group studies when you're trying to stack those guys. Yeah. Do you spend yeah. a lot of time on that? Because is that position tougher than others in terms yeah, of? Yeah, but it's like, I don't want to call the, and everybody wants to devalue the position. Right. Like, it's not B. John Robinson. He's not Jameer Gibbs because those guys are more than just running backs. He's not A. Chan because A. Chan had unique speed, but he's a very solid, smooth, efficient day three running back. Um, you know, like we were just talking about the running back from Arizona State. Scadabo. Yeah. Who is a nut, bigger back, really thick through his lower, probably more powerful, uh, also catches the ball very well in the backfield. I think he's a day three guy. Um, but now you're going to go back and watch his tape compared to this guy's tape. Gotcha. Yeah, maybe I'm overthinking it. Maybe you, you, you can take any of these guys and feel good about it, and then, you know, they'll be the one guy that, the team takes in the seventh round who hits a home run and ends up being Philip Lindsay, for example. Pacheco. Pacheco, even better. Yeah, right. Gotcha. All right. One more from Alabama. Defensive lineman, Justin Eboigby. Yes. Uh, this kid is another kid that's under the radar that stuck out in this game. I think he had eight or nine tackles against the run. He plays up and down the line of scrimmage. He can play nose. He'll play three. He'll play five. They even put him out at, at some end. Typical Alabama defensive lineman that is about 6'4", 300 pounds, just long arms, just looks like an NFL defensive lineman. He is not an edge rusher, uh, but he plays with heavy hands. Uh, he missed last season with a neck injury. Oh, came okay. back for another year and plays with great energy and effort. He's probably going to not run a five, four, five. He's going to be a four, four, eight, four, nine guy. That's moving though. But for his size, he moves well. He made a play. Uh, has to get better as a pass rusher. But if you want to go back and look at a game, I would suggest you go back and watch Texas A&M uh, because he had two or three sacks that game. And that's the thing that he has to learn how to do. He's not going to be an edge rusher, but if you move him inside, he's got he has power, but he has to learn how to counter once they get their hands on him. And I think once he does that, that he is going to be a very we talked about who was it last year? Young, the kid that uh, was a really good football player, showed up down at the senior bowl. This kid is a bigger version of Brian Young, I think was a oh, kid. Yeah. Remember? Byron Young, yeah. Alabama's not Tennessee's. Yeah. Uh, this is a bigger version of him. But he made a play in the second quarter that I thought was a game-changing play where they threw a screen. He got out of his rush, retraced his steps, and dove to make a play, a tackle that probably would have been about a 30- or 40-yard gain. 
Right. So. You got but, a lot of pops in Alabama. Yeah, it was a very good pop. So this uh, probably day three developmental guy right now? or I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, he ends up in day two. Love it. Done. Just like Byron Young. So, yeah, I haven't watched him yet, so I look forward to doing that. And who knows? Maybe he'll find his way into my top 50, Rick. Who knows? All right, we're going to take a quick break. I mean, he's got to be. If, if he's one of your top 250 guys that you squeeze into the top 50, he'll be well, definitely. Well, here's the here's the joke. I say it says top two, it says top fifty, but I, I make the two in front of it in white so people can't see it when they read it on the computer screen. Yeah, so. it's amazing the 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 magic you are. You're like that get person that I lost ten bucks to when the first time I went to New York City trying to find where the queen was. Yeah. Um three card money. Three card 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 Monty. Three card money, yeah. Three card Spielman. Speaking of Spielman, after the break, we're gonna talk about some of these uh top rookie performances and one of the young Young men who who made the list, Debo, his name, Puka Spielman. We'll talk about him right after the break. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, Rick. It's that time. Usually we do uh, rookie quarterback performances, but um, CJ and what's that? No one played. Yeah, CJ and Bryce are on their uh, buys. By the way, the, the Panthers and the Texans meet in week eight, so that'll be fun. Anthony Richardson is done for the season, unfortunately, but we will talk about an undrafted rookie and, and as part of this uh, top five conversation. Start at the bottom, number five. My guy, your guy, Jameer Gibbs running back out of Alabama. First round pick of the Detroit Lions. Um, let me ask you, first of all, did you talk to your brother about the game and how do you sort of get over that sort of whooping? I don't talk to him. I usually wait till a game like that. You kind of give it a couple of days. To it's like a fine wine. Just let it breathe. And then because it, you know, it's one of those things where you can say, just win the next play, but those plays kept stacking up and it was pretty clear at halftime that it was just a, it was a wrap. Yeah, no, it was a, hopefully it's a reset game and, and Detroit kind of got knocked back to reality a little bit. Sometimes, as my dad said, you can get a little big for your britches, <laughs> which uh, sometimes a game like that will reset you and uh, get you back to reality and back to who you are. Yeah, because going into that game, the Lions had so many records in terms of offensive things they'd accomplished, defensive things they'd accomplished, and none of that showed up in that game. But Jameer Gibbs did have a pleasantly surprising performance. Uh, ran for 68 yards and 11 carries. 
had a touchdown, had nine more receptions for 58 yards. I thought he played pretty well. He showed, I mean, he, all the things we talked about, he's incredibly twitchy. If you let him get to the second level and there's not a linebacker within two yards of him, that's going to be a problem for the defense. He can get on the edge. As I watched him make some of these runs, I was thinking, man, what if he were in that lion, not excuse me, in, in the in the Dolphins offense? Uh, he, we'd be talking about him the same way we talk about HN. That's the um, first thing that popped in my head when he ran for that touchdown. Yeah, right. I mean, it was go time. <laughs> you talk about, I always talk about, can a guy go from zero miles per hour to 60? Ooh. This guy can do that. And nine catches is pretty good for a running back, even though it was garbage time. And But he can catch the ball. Hopefully, they've seen what he can, can do. Now he's healthy because he was dealing with a hamstring and missed the last two games with a hamstring injury. But now that he's gone and he's got pretty good tape, from this past game, even though they got their arses whooped pretty good, uh, that when Montgomery comes back, that's going to be a pretty good uh, one-two combination, and hopefully they'll get him more involved in the offense because I think he needs to be more involved in the offense. Right, and the only reason I mentioned the uh, the, the Dolphins, excuse me, is because they just threw HN out there and let him do his thing. Uh, uh, even though- in his first game, I think he was an active first game. Right, he was. Got, and then he got a few touches second. And then third game, they sort of went off. But they, it's been a slow process, it feels like, with Jameer. He was had the hamstring. And then right. now that Montgomery's down, they lean on him a little more. So maybe they do involve him more, and I think that would – I think Jerry Goff would be okay with that. Yeah, I would be. Yeah, for sure. All right, number four on the list, Josh Downs, day two pick out of UNC. And um, he's he's stepping up, and, and he's played really well this season. He's been a security blanket for Anthony Richardson when he's in there, and certainly for Gardner Minshew. They line him up inside and out. And let me ask you this first, because during the, the spring, I, I talked to you a lot about these quote-unquote undersized receivers coming out and how you weren't sure if they're going to be able to play outside. But we've seen Josh play outside. We've seen Jordan Addison play outside in the NFL and has some success. Is that a sort of a change we're seeing, or is that just special I, cases? I think when you see him, look at if they're – versus press or not. And a lot of times they'll have the slot at the line of scrimmage and these guys back a step, you know, for formation. So they're not going to get jammed initially right at the line of scrimmage. And then their athleticism, their quickness and speed all show up. And this kid to me is the only, well, Pittman can be, but this kid is the only legit speed threat, big play type player that they have at the receiver position for Indianapolis. And that showed up this week. Let me ask you about that though, because Alec Pierce, the other receiver on that team, ran in the three four three nine or four four one of the combine. Stiff. So again, don't fall in love with combine numbers, is what I'm hearing. Stiff. (laughs) Watch their ability to bend and flex their body. Like, did you see Marvin Harrison Jr. Marvin Harrison Jr. the way he can bend and flex his body? Yeah, that's that's. Those are the things. Maybe I almost screwed up, but we were pretty good at receivers. Those guys that have those physical traits but have that upper body flexibility to torque in different ways than an Alec Pierce, who I wasn't a huge fan of, and I didn't think he was going to go as high, and I'm still maybe wrong on him, just like Chase Claypool, just like go back to Michael Floyd. Those guys are big, but they're straight line and they're stiff in their upper bodies. You don't see them do this behind or this or. Yeah. And those are the guys to me that, you know, even the kid I hated 
I hate it. I don't hate it. <laughs> you only say that word for my comps. <laughs> yeah. I do hate your comps, but not, not for 84 more days. I love it. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Mims, who came out of Baylor, was a yeah. big, straight line, vertical, stiff guy. So what I was Man fast had a great senior bowl. <laughs> when you watch these guys, watch their ability to torque their body in different angles to come up with catches. Yeah, I think you drafted Justin Jefferson. I'm not sure. I'll double check on that. Debo, make sure he did. But you also took KJ Osborne too, right? And Stefan Diggs and yeah, a few others. Well, Steph and, and JJ are those guys are legit. But a lot of people, a lot of people nationally don't talk about KJ Osborne. He's having a fantastic year. Yep. Yeah, he was a little tighter, but because he's almost like a running back build, so a little different style, but still, the strength he has in contested situations is pretty unique. Yeah. And Absolutely. I don't know if you've seen the pregame. I was watching the pregame and what a unique individual he was when they saved that person from the burning car. Oh, no, I didn't see that. It's pretty, that tells you who he is, is a, is, is not only a, probably an even better person than he is player. Wow. That's a fantastic story. Were you there when that happened? No, it you... happened this past summer. Oh, okay. I was wow. already fired by then. <laughs> you were in a different kind of fired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> KJ should have saved saved you from the burning car. Yeah, I was going summer south scouting school with you. When that happened. Well, KJ was was making use of his time better than we were for sure. All right, so Josh Downs had the um, fifty nine yard touchdown also uh, as part of that game that they somehow lost, even though they scored thirty eight points. That was a blown coverage, but whatever. He caught the ball and outran everyone to the end zone. He's been a, a fun watch so far this year. Number three on the list. Talked about him last week. Talked about him in the preseason. We talked about him in January when we weren't very impressed by his senior bowl performance. Quarterback Tyson Bajant out of Shepherd University in West Virginia. I mean, look, they didn't ask him to push the ball down the field, but we've been talking about Justin Fields for a year and a half now, and Tyson got the ball out on time. He got the ball out on time, usually accurately, even if it was in a short game. He made some plays with his feet, buying time in the pocket. Sometimes he left the pocket too early, but whatever. This guy's making his first NFL start after playing Division II football. And when he was asked to throw the ball outside the hashes, outside the numbers, I thought he did so with some arm strength and some accuracy, and he showed the ability to run the ball. So you talked last week. He looked like he was having fun. He continues to look like he's still having fun. Yeah, he's playing with uh, what I don't, like. What do I have to lose? I'm living right. my dream right now. So let it uh, let it rip. I said, you know. But I was impressed with his arm talent and his accuracy, especially when he doesn't set his feet because he made some off-schedule throws or some throws that his feet aren't set, but they were got there on time and they had plenty of velocity behind the throws. I think they really limited his reads and going through progressions. It was like, okay, get the ball here quick, get the ball here. They did a really good job game planning, I thought, um, making sure that he didn't have too much to think about, that he can just go out and play without really having to think about a lot of things. And they, they gave him some pretty easy options, but he executed all those. And yeah. the athleticism, like I said, he made some plays with his legs. Um, Vegas defense probably is not the <laughs> most uh, tough, toughest defense that the kid will face. Um, but you got to give him credit where credit is due, and, and he got a win. And, uh, but they were able to run the ball that took some heat off of him as well. And a lot of those quick throws and the bubble screens and things like that um, were extensions of runs. 
but he executed and he's a very good athlete and he has arm talent. Are you saying that the Raiders defense is better or worse than Colorado School of Mines, the team that beat Shepard last year in the playoffs? I would say worse after last week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's too much. That's they, too much. Yeah, they didn't play. They just looked dead. Yeah, and there's a lot of things going on there. I wish I sent Debo the tweet before just now. Uh, Roger Sherman, I think he's with the ringer, tweeted out uh, a picture of the three guys for the Colorado School of the Mines, the last uh, team that one of these guys intercepted uh, Tyson Bajan, one of them sacked him. And one of them you know, did something else. And and Colorado School of the Mines is known for a lot of things, probably their geology department, but also their football team are, are the guys that take these super crazy headshots. Like they'll shave half their head or shave their beard off and, and have like the Abe Lincoln going. Um, so I didn't prepare for that, but it's funny. So we'll get that at some point. I'll show it to you, Rick. You'll get a good chuckle out of that. All right, number three, that was Tyson Bajant. Way to go. 21 and 29 for only 162 yards for Discord touchdown. And as I mentioned, he ran for 24 yards. Number two. A young man, I'm going to start, start calling Puka Spielman. Puka Nakua. Uh, I was watching that game against the Steelers, and he was just running drag routes all day long, and they were against man, and they weren't covering them, and they had outside leverage, and, and the cornerback, whether it was uh, Levi Wallace or our buddy Patrick Peterson, just couldn't run down a guy who ran a 4.57 or whatever he ran at the, at the combine. Amazing. Uh, it just fascinates me. It is incredibly fascinating. So he can run drag routes and get yards after the catch. He also ran over Joey Porter Jr. on his way to almost scoring the touchdown in that game. But he can also run sideline routes and make toe tap Justin Jefferson type oh, catches too. His concentration to get his toe tap down on that uh, one catch. I think it was to the left side. Yeah. So eight catches, 154 yards, targeted 12 times. Cooper Cup only had two receptions. Cooper Cup dropped two passes, the first two thrown to him. He only had two drops all last year. But tell me about Puka Spielman Nakua, how impressed you are with him. I am running right behind the bandwagon. I'm trying <laughs> to reach out. <laughs> speed up, speed up. <laughs> but he is, uh, I, I have to give credit where credit is due. Uh, for as much as I didn't want to jump on the bandwagon, I'm actually trying to weasel my way on there. So <laughs> right now everybody's kicking me off because I haven't wanted to jump on it early. But He's been uh, phenomenal uh, through these first seven or eight games, seven, first half of the season. That's I just don't understand. Maybe guys still don't respect him. Uh, why you just keep letting them play zone coverage and the guy just keeps torturing you? Yeah, every single time. Every, every single time. Now, I will give Joey Porter Jr. credit. He had him uh, uh, towards the end of the game. He actually did man him up pretty tightly on some of those drag routes and had some PBUs. You could have called defensive holding there. It wouldn't have shocked me, but it, it was a physical matchup. So uh, after he laid Joey Porter Jr. out on um, – and look, Joey Porter Jr. is not – he's not built like Puka Nakua, so I, I get bouncing off of him. But, man, what a fun story he's been over the first, whatever, seven, eight, eight games of the season here. All right, number one, the guy we talked about a, a moment ago uh, in passing – because we're talking about Josh Downs and sort of being a quote-unquote undersized receiver. Jordan plays a lot of outside as well, but to your point, uh, in fact, on the very first throw his way was uh, that middle field throw to uh, versus Travarius Ward where he got phys- he got out physical to the top of the route by Ward and, yeah. and, and lost the interception. And to your point about, you know, 
getting off the line of scrimmage and not getting hands on people makes it a little easier for smaller, quicker guys to win. That said, it came back in the second quarter and wrestled the ball away from Ward and turned it into a 60-yard touchdown, had a humongous game. Like we said during the draft process, incredibly um, shifty in small areas. If he's running at speed at you, that's a problem if you're the defensive back. And he had a couple balls just go off his fingertips. He could have had three touchdowns. Kurt just missed him in the back of the end zone, a little corner out. Um, I don't know what you, what, what more you'd want from a player who's trying to fill in for Justin Jefferson being sidelined. No, and we all knew the ability and uh, coming out in the draft, and I, they, they did a great job drafting this kid because he was like that at Pitt. He was like that last year at USC. And everything that you've seen in college is translating to the NFL. The biggest question was the the play strength. And the lack of play strength did show up on the first interception that probably should have been a a catch. Um, But then for him to come back and, uh, listen, dude, you may have got me once, but you're not taking this one away from me. And uh, for him to do that, uh, because he's fast, he was really good route runner. He's pretty special with the ball in his hands after the catch. So I thought he uh, he lit it up. And for him not having Justin Jefferson opposite of him and to have that type of production and that type of game uh, is incredible. You know, it's amazing that for as much flack as Kirk Cousins get, how he makes receivers pretty good, what he's done with Thielen, what he's done with Jefferson, what he's doing with this kid, what he's doing with Hawkinson. He makes those guys some money off the production that those guys produce, but they have to have a quarterback throwing to them too. No, he's had a great year. And Kirk Cousins reminds me, if I'm going to do a comp, he reminds me of me. Like he's terrible in prime time. And just like last week, I went uh, 0-13 in my my picks. <laughs> uh, don't remember the, the that part. Remember the good stuff. That's why Kirk Cousins and Ryan Wilson will go down in history together, Rick. <laughs> All right, let's talk quickly uh, about these honorable mentions here. I'll read out the names, and then you can give me uh, your thoughts on any of these guys if you want to, or we'll just move on. Don Kincaid, eight receptions, 75 yards. It looks like Dawson Knox is going to be out for a while uh, with a wrist, I believe. So his his produ- uh, his utilization might go up, I should say. Uh, and I mentioned just a couple of Steelers guys here because I was looking through um, True Media, and they had uh, these young guys flashing. They didn't play a bunch of snaps against the Rams. So Nate Herbig had a sack, and he's – He's incredibly active for someone who weighs in the 230s. And then Kanu Benton, uh, their day two pick, uh, who plays in the middle of that defense, plays over the center, plays some three technique. And he did some things. He got pushed around and get some double teams at times, but he also got better as the game went on. Uh, any thoughts about any of these three guys who made the honorable mention? Yeah, Kincaid's doing what he's doing, what he did in college. Um, and I thought he did give pretty good effort as a blocker, uh, more than I anticipated him doing. Benton, to me, what surprised me, and we saw flashes of it at the Senior Bowl, may be a better pass rusher than he showed in college because he got after the quarterback pretty good. A couple of times he didn't stay square to the line of scrimmage. I know they have him in a nose in a cocked position and kind of got, you know, washed down the line of scrimmage a little bit. But when he stays square, he's solid in the run game uh, when I ask him to do that. But he surprised me a little bit with his twitch and quickness as an inline rusher. And you've seen flashes of that at the Senior Bowl that you didn't see in college last year. And Herbig is just a going Jesse off the edge. I mean, he it's like you're watching him at Wisconsin undersized. You can't put him in T.J. Watt category because of the size. But those typical edge rushers that come out of Wisconsin, 
that just are 34 outside linebackers that are better when they're going forward and go get the quarterback. This guy had some speed and twitch off the edge. Now, no boom, I think, was the left tackle. Uh, if he Either him or Alaric Jackson. Maybe an Alaric Jackson. Okay, I didn't know if no broke. No broom might have been hurt this game. But whoever was a left tackle could not match up with the speed that this kid had coming off the edge. And this kid plays with his hair on fire, which he did in college as well. Yeah, it was Alaric Jackson. And that's the thing, because we talked about Herbig during the pre-draft process and said, well, he'll probably have to kick inside, uh, play off-ball linebacker at the next level. And maybe that was the plan on some level for the Steelers, but they saw him in in – over the summer and then in, in training camp, and maybe that changed their opinion. Is that something that, that I would that say that mistakes that are made uh, are if the guy does something really good in college, <laughs> that when he gets to the NFL, that's don't overthink it is what you're saying. Yeah. Yes. All right. Fair enough. All right. All right. Let's take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to hit the top 10 draft order uh, as we head into week eight and what it means for teams at the top who need quarterbacks and wide receivers and offensive linemen right after this. All right, I'll read out the top 10 draft order for people who are listening and not watching and uh, to avoid them from getting mad at you for your Puka Nakua takes. All right, number one. Not Puka Nakua. I'm getting some Puka beats. <laughs> at the top of the old uh, draft order here, the Bears uh, still have the Panthers pick, same as last week. The Panthers were off this week. Number two, the Cardinals have moved up two spots, so they're not picking second. The Bears, uh, with their current pick, are, are at third. They drop one spot by that Tyson Bajant win. And number four, the Broncos drop a spot as well. Number five, the Giants. Number six, the Patriots after their huge win over Buffalo. Number seven, the Packers move up two spots. Sweet mercy, Green Bay. Number eight, the Chargers up two spots. What are we doing, Los Angeles? Number nine, the Titans. And number 10, the Saints, who are now in the top 10 for the first time uh, in recent weeks anyway. Did ever you ever feel like I'm Derek Carr and yelling at you? <laughs> <laughs> no because you're actually good at your job uh and i support Derek carr but i don't know what that what in the world's going on yeah that's a whole that's other podcast for real um so better combination for the bears caleb plus a stubbed wide receiver or caleb plus a stub stud offensive tackle Are you asking me yeah question mark question mark oh i see the script here <laughs> Steve actually does scripts for the show. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, you haven't looked at them yet. Yeah, no. Uh, definitely Caleb plus stud receiver. For the Bears? Yes. So you're fine with Braxton Jones. You're fine with Tevin Jenkins on the inside. You're fine with um, Darnell Wright. Yeah, I'll circle okay. around and get some. But if you got a generational quarterback and a generational receiver, how can you pass that up? You know, it's funny. This was the same conversation we had with uh, not in the same draft class, but the Bengals had taken Joe Burrow, and the next year they could have had Panay, Sewell, or Jamar Burrow. Chase. Yep. They made the right decision. Yeah, but so did Detroit take in Sewell. I agree. I love Sewell. I'm not not doubting I, Brad Holmes' instincts or the Detroit Lions in any way, but I think the Bengals are a better team with Jamar, even though the offensive line has not lived up to expectations. In today's NFL, how important it is to have a stud receiver yes. is my question to you. It's incredibly important. The Bengals aren't where the, the Bengals probably don't go to the Super Bowl with uh, a stud left tackle and Joe Burrow throwing to, you know, a bunch of number threes. Correct. And no disrespect to Tyler Boyd or T. Higgins, but let's be real. Jamar Chase is Jamar Chase. Correct. Okay. 
I agree with that. Is Drake May good enough for the Cardinals to move on from Kyler Murray? And the Cardinals currently pick number two, so the assumption is that Caleb goes number one. Yes. If you're the Cardinals and number two, are you even calling the Bears about moving up, or you're not even wasting the, the quarter it takes to make the phone call from the payphone? Uh, if I if I believe that Caleb Williams is that generational quarterback, yes, I, you have to. And then what if they want your number two pick, and then they want two first rounders after that? Well, you got to look at you have to go back and look at the history of the trades. So. Uh, and where the value is, uh, but that would be a negotiation for sure. Yeah. Oh boy, that's going to be interesting. Are you taking Caleb at number two if you're Arizona? Or are you going to wait and see how Kyler does the rest of the season? Yeah. I'm well, sorry, I'm, sorry, Drake May. Are you taking Drake May at number two? Or are you going to wait and see how Kyler does? I, I'm going to see. Uh, I don't know if I would do that for Drake May. I think okay. he's going to be a really good quarterback. But Caleb, yes, Drake May. We're going to have to. We're going to have to have a discussion. So let's say, Kyler, you're cautiously optimistic and you're going to roll with them in 2024. Then the question is, do you get Fashionu to book in Paris or do you keep to your word and you take Marvin Harrison Jr. here? Marvin Harrison Jr. No, you're not even thinking about it. Okay. No, that's, right. that's, I'm not even thinking about it. I want to see if you're going to, going to walk yourself into the cul-de-sac that you'd like to make these young men do in their combine interviews. I'm pretty yeah, firm on my beliefs. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Uh, a truer word has never been spoken. All right, finally, what's the Broncos' best option if they end up in the top five, but outside the top two quarterbacks? And you cannot say Spencer Rattler, even though I know you want to. Yeah, no, that's a tough one for me not to say his name. <laughs> Knowing George Payton the way I do, uh, they will follow whoever is the best player on their board, whether it's Fashanu. Is that Fashanu now? Uh, Fashanu. Fashanu. Uh whether it's a pass rusher, whoever is the top player on the board is who they will take, regardless of position. And uh, I think, what's that? Nothing. They're going to take whoever the best player is on their board, what's left. Yeah, and I think they have needs. Uh, I think Garrett Bowles' contract may be up. I'm not sure, but um, that's something to certainly consider. And I'm trying to think. Like I don't know, after offensive tackle – I think edge rusher might be next. Maybe Kool-Aid might be next if he runs well. The defense has struggled a little bit. Let me look real quick. I, I want to see what you're If the OT is there, they'll go with the OT for sure. Yeah, Fashionu, Joe Alt. What about Brock Bowers? I don't. I think they would go with the left tackle. Okay. All right. Well, that's it. That is a wrap. A little longer today. Had a lot to that get was a long end. I know. Debo's getting some money's worth out of you. Well, I, that's, I mean, it gives us, you know, 2,000 guys to evaluate every week. I, I, I've you never evaluated this many guys in my life in one week. You know what we're doing Thursday? <laughs> Don't tell me. Mock draft Thursday or top 100 or top two. No, but I, I'm going to tell you, but with the understanding that I don't need you to watch every single snap that these players have taken, but we're going to look at our top 10 rookies. Look at his face, Depot. Like he just got extra homework the day before Thanksgiving. <laughs> But we've talked about most of these guys, and then Debo will go through and, and pick some some ones that perhaps aren't getting the love they deserve. But I would encourage you just to go easy. You don't need to spend the next 20 hours. Debo, how much time do you want Rick to spend on this homework assignment? 24 hours minimum. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I will. So, uh, spoiler alert. That's Don't we'll freak out. Instructions will be in your inbox today. Thank you. Please. If Ryan didn't set it up properly, instructions will be emailed. Make it clear what the homework assignment is or what's expected out of the homework. Do assignment. not go back and watch any snaps that you've already seen on the player, and then Debo will, will add in the rest of the instructions for the, the other names on the list that may be new to us. Um, but, yeah, on Thursday, we're going to look at our, our top 10 rookies, uh, not just the picks, the top 10 rookie, not top 10 picks from the last draft class, but top 10 rookies as they performed over the first two months or so of the season. And a lot of the names are familiar. And then uh, we'll make Rick do the other 20 that aren't familiar, just so we're all caught up together. I, I got in at 1.30 in the morning. I was up at 5 getting ready for this podcast, hammering through my uh, – God, you were hardcore. Hardcore. Well, that's why you're right or wrong, but no one's going to ever accuse me of not BSing my way through it. It's what I actually see. Yeah. No, that's right. I I could not agree more with that. All right. So let's get off this thing so you can get back to doing your homework here. Um, That's episode 91, Rick. Hold on. Let me see. Check something real quick. All right. There we go. Sorry. I thought Debo was sending me a note about more homework for you. All right. That's it. Episode 91 in the books. Thanks, as always, to Rick. And thanks, as always, to Debo for producing. Thanks to all you guys who watch and listen and comment. We'll be back Thursday to look at our top 10 rookies over the first two months of the season. See you later.